Hello and welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And Matthew Rodriguez. As we were starting, I was just thinking about how you always open the episode. Well, because you play the music. Anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> listeners should know that I'm behind the music. VH1. <laughs> and our co-host today is... J.E. Reich. Um, J.E.? J.E. J.E. Yeah, Reich. J.E. Okay. Reich. Uh, and, yeah. So today we're going to discuss the episode Angel. Season 1, episode 7. Which has uh-huh. a lot of big plot developments that are there for kind of ever. In and I mean, and this is one of those episodes that I love to shove in people's faces when they have bad things <laughs> to say about season 1. <laughs> because season 1 has a lot of high points, and for all of its monster of the weakness, mm. when season 1 is doing straight up main plot stuff, it's really great. Yeah, that's totally when it succeeds. Yeah. And and this is one of those episodes where it really succeeds. And like, it's not even just just plot for the season. It's like this is plot for like yeah, these are the universe show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it carries over into Angel, duh, because it's all about him. But like, you know, Darla, who uh, at the time doesn't seem like that much of a big deal, is like such a big deal. Oh yeah. In the overall Buffy verse, um, we learn more about like we learn about the Masters' connection to them and like, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a lot going on. Darla wears her sexy schoolgirl outfit. As always. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with talking about... I hate the three. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I hate them so much. In my notes here, I put like... I put the Master Sends the Three, who are very lame and cheesy and wouldn't have worked in later seasons. What I what I love about the three is like you first see them when there's like a group of like skinhead bikers. Right. And like you see them and they turn around they're like, oh shit. There's there's three vampires and one of them has a mullet and they're and they're all wearing random assorted pieces of armor but yeah. none of them have a full set. Oh, we gotta clear out of the way guys. Like, like and it's just like the name the three is such a season one name for a villain. Like they're like they're called the three. Like that like, name feels like a name so like when I was a younger kid, like ten to like sixteen, I would draw and write my own comics, which are always just like total ripoffs of like whatever X Men oh, issue I oh, read. <laughs> I had my own comics too. Oh. Um, and like all the art was usually a ripoff of like whatever X Men panels I was looking at, and like mm-hmm. the three feels like a name I would have given villains in my comics that I wrote when I was like twelve. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, so yeah, there's that scene that you were talking about where like it's like, ooh, the biker guys are like, ooh, they're really they're the bad ones. Yeah. And then it's just like, like one of them has a face tattoo. Too. Oh yeah, like I mean, they all just even look, they all just look like people that would be like on I Love New York on VH1 or something, <laughs> and like they were they're so. Like they, and also they just don't do anything. Like they 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 don't succeed, and so like they're supposed to be super strong, but then the master like sacrifices them. Yeah, and I'm just like I don't get it. Like they're what, gone after like five. Why minutes. didn't they try again? Like, it's like, right, and they're literally just standing outside of her house. Yeah. So like, why didn't they wait for like Joyce to come home and like capture Joyce or like just wait and be like, while well, she's coming out of her house, eventually. Right, and that's the thing is that right after Buffy comes in. Like running away from them. Joyce comes in not but ten minutes later. Did yeah. she not see them? Did they run away that quickly? What always confuses me is that one of the three like sticks his hand in the door. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then she slams it, but suddenly like it's not like the hand falls off, it just kind of retreats 
and then we get the rule like you're not allowed to enter yeah. the house unless you're invited. So yes. why did the hand not well that's just the thing. dissipate into action? So so much of Buffy season one, and this is like a recurring theme that we've talked about in other episodes, is that like they're still getting the rules down of what's because they do bring up the invitation with Angel and stuff like that. Yeah. A little bit. But like literally right afterwards. Yeah, but they they mess it up with the um with the hand going through. Yeah, and of course like of course like you know you're you're sort of like setting the ground rules for for this for this universe you're world building yeah. but like literally right after. <laughs> right. So like how long like But they're wonder... also it's the second time in seven <laughs> episodes that they do the hand door thing because it happens oh, yeah. in the first oh, episode yeah. when she's trying and they're trying to run out of the master's lair yeah. thing with those vamps with Jesse. With Jesse. So it's like a very it's like okay we get it. Like a you know the hand through the door. Well cuz like even I wrote this in my notes like even the cockroach humiliation party doesn't feel like something Buffy would have done. Like, that feels like... It just feels so Bushwick. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It almost feels like horror <clears throat> comedy, like, where it's, like, gross. <clears throat> and that feels, like, too gross for Buffy's aesthetic. Yeah. The cockroach negation party? Yeah, like... I think that... I, I disagree. It's, like, crust punk. Yeah. I don't like, know. Well, like, how many episodes ago was she, like, trying out for a cheerleading squad? That, yeah. Well, like, I think that... Yeah. I think... And then, like, in two episodes, she's going to be scared by a dummy under her bed. Like. Yeah. Well, there's two things. I think that it's just, like, a plot device to get the bronze to yeah. be closed. closed. Right. So they need a reason, and it's a plot device. And I think that it's, like, supposed to establish the bronze as, like, being dirty. I don't know. Like, I think that it makes sense in in a lot of, in a lot of ways. I, I mean, we were talking before, Ian and I were talking about how, like, it's still really weird that, like they go to the bronze at 16 yeah. and then like continue to go there into their early 20s. It's like, who goes to the same bar for that like, long? It's one of those like 18 plus clubs. Like. Right. But yet they're 16 in high school, like going out. Plus, like like yeah. in the first episode, like she's 16 in a new town and she's like, mom, I'm going to the club. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my mom would have been like, no, you're not. You're staying the fuck inside. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We had like in my hometown, we had those growing up and like there would, there'd be like a curtain separating like the 21 pluses from the, like from the 16 year olds and you got like an X on your hand. So yeah. I always just imagine that like so working out. For but... me, any of those clubs that I went to, it would usually be 18. Up. Yeah. There was a couple of those in like Philly, like growing yeah. up, like I would go well, to those. Pittsburgh's real gritty. So mm. what can I say? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Because I remember, like, going to, like, this one bar, Shampoo, in Philly, where, like, the bar was literally, like, downstairs. Like, you would go downstairs, you couldn't bring your drink, you had to drink it at the bar, mm-hmm. and there would be some nights where, like, I would get drunk at the bar and then, like, miss every song because the dance floor was upstairs. Yeah. And, like, that's so inconvenient. Mm. Granted, that place closed, and then I'm sure that that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, but, yeah, so, the master even makes a big deal of the three, Giles makes a big deal of the three, and they don't do anything. Like Darla you know does. Yeah. Darla does more than they do. Do you know what's really interesting is they talk about the three again in season three. Really? Oh my gosh! Do you remember? You don't remember? No. Of three? No, I'm no. Oh my no gosh! They talk about the three in season three, and it's when Faith comes to town in Faith, Hope, and Trick, and um, they're like swapping stories of like vamps that they've killed, and. Buffy, like, someone asked her, like, oh, what was your hardest kill? And she thinks about killing Angel, but she doesn't want to bring it up. So she's like, oh, I fought the three. Do you guys remember the three? And and looking back on the episode, it's like, you barely fought the three. (laughs) Like, you barely fought them. Yeah. Like, this is season one. You could barely stake one vampire, let alone three tough ones. And 
you didn't kill them. Darla did. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, don't bring up the three puffy. That is just, not like, one of your kids. one's wrist. That's, that's about it. His also, armored wrist. I feel like the master almost borders on like mayor territory with Darla, the way the mayor does with Faith. Faith. Yeah. Well, yes, but also we, I think that this is once again like the mayor being like a mob boss because he's just like standing there like the mayor. The master. The, sorry, the master is um being like a mob boss because yeah. he doesn't get his hands dirty at all and he just like makes decisions and but you Darla's know, like his favorite of his family yeah, there's, there's totally like a, a connection between the two I mean like the, the etymology of the name Darla I believe it's Greek and it actually means like darling one Oh so, my god she yeah. she said she did research so <laughs> listeners before bad <laughs> research so much research like we literally Ian and I come here every week and just wing it yeah like, <laughs> just... I made like a few notes but like that's about it I I'm like oh it of might be Latin more. though so like so so apologies you're gonna in get, advance you're gonna get for any tweets. linguists out there you're gonna get so hate many tweets. hate tweets about from 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 academics from <laughs> linguists um so it's either Greek or Latin I'm pretty sure it's Greek but yeah it means darling one and it's supposed to sort of reify the fact. That Darla's his favorite. And I mean, huh. like, the master sire Darla, too. Yeah. I, don't, I forget if we know that already or if we no, find that out later. I think we find out later. Do we know that in this season? I, I thought they, we figured that out. I thought, isn't that, isn't that an angel thing? Do they talk about the master? It angel? might be an There's angel thing. The, so the an, angel... Because so I, like, looked into, like, the family trees. Buffy has thing? Fool for Love, and literally Angel has an episode that they aired right after it where the master's in it, and they show, like, the master sire and Darla... And then Darla, Siren Angel, and then working with the Master. They even show the Master kicking Angel out of whatever their group is. There is an episode in Buffy where they talk about the Sire chain with, like, Angel and Spike, I think. So my best school heart, I think. Yeah. Because he calls... Angel has Yoda. Right, and they're and then they say like so it's one big sire fest. Like yeah. I think yeah. Xander says that or something. It's like your friends in college that just all hook up with each other. Or kind like of. Or our friends in real life. <laughs> yeah. Our friends in real life. It's just a cesspool of, yeah. of vampires, basically. Um also I always forget watching this that like you don't know that Willow like Will, Willow doesn't or Buffy doesn't know that Willow does she like this is when she yeah, she, like, doesn't even specifically say she's a crush on Xander. Like, even though it's obvious. Which like, always just makes me laugh. I know, right? Well, wait, doesn't... Isn't this the episode... Is this is this the episode with Hello Salty Goodness? No. 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 What, when is that? I think she says Wiggy, though. She. This is the first time we hear Wiggins, which um, is such a big part of... Is it Wiggins or Wiggy? I she like, says Wiggy you know, this time, but then it yeah. evolves into getting, and having they, the Wiggins. I think she's... They say, like, Wiggins or get a Wiggs, like... Yeah. Also, is like that perfect just a, 90s? Is that like, like just a Joss Whedon thing? I mean, I I'm sure he must have heard it somewhere. And getting used it. wiggy with it? Isn't that a Will Smith thing? Or That's am Jiggy. I just, Jiggy. Sorry. Jiggy Nana. <laughs> Wait. Did you just call me Nana? <laughs> I know wow. I'm older than you, but. <laughs> I'm going to. Well, I'm going to research Wiggy. It's actually Zadie, by the way. <laughs> We're going to call no me disrespect. a grandparent. <laughs> We're going to call me an old Jewish grandpa. <laughs> Um, I wear a lot of cardigans, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, also we see Angel's tattoo in this episode. Oh, yeah. Takes his shirt off. After they've run away from the three, and... I'm, this just, by the way, so, side note, like, sidebar, this just feeds into my theory that the first, like, uh, queer, like, the first queer character, and possibly the first lesbian character, isn't exactly Willow, it's totally Angel, 
and there's no real proof that I can give <laughs> other than like my own personal gaydar right. and also like Jack Howerston's The Queer Art of Failure um, in terms of like I don't know. You're it's about, good. <laughs> it's about like narrative structures and like low culture. It's it's kind of uh, difficult to describe, but basically like to to break it down, like uh, Angel's character in a way just like fails yet again, again, and again. Um, so that's part of it. But the other part of it is just like every uh, like trope I've seen from every bad lesbian movie of all time, <laughs> which which usually has like this like weird like shirt lifting scene, and then there's like a tattoo somewhere. <laughs> it's like, so it's like that. I feel like that was in like Better Than Chocolate, maybe. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't even know what like, that is. Did oh, Carol well, have oh. a tattoo in Carol? <laughs> you know what? If not, she should have. <laughs> like I would so, love it if there was a random tattoo in Carol. <laughs> If not, then Kate McKinnon's going to make that happen in her next sketch about Carol. Oh, my friend um, Kate Blanchett, you mean? Oh, yeah, your best friend Kate. You call, you call her Katie. Katums. Um, so, yeah, it's like that and the brooding and the leather jacket. And I'm sure he's wearing Doc Martens. So, like, him and Tim Riggins, biggest lesbian characters on TV. <laughs> I forgot how much you love Friday Night Lights. Love Friday Night Lights. With Tim Riggins, it's the flannel. Um... <laughs> So, now I forget. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Sorry, you're talking about Angel in the Tattoo. No, I think that, well, it's just like, take that as a note because we need to, like, name this episode about <laughs> Angel being the first lesbian character on TV. Like, move over, Willow. Just, <laughs> Spoiler I'm, alert. I'm just impressed with Jay running circles around us with, the, like, research. I did research. Okay. I can tell. I'm impressed. That's all the research I got, though. I, like, so. put this mic out and fart on it, and I'm like, there you go, I got a podcast. <laughs> um, nice. But so Angel does make a reference in the last season of Angel to him and Spike hooking up. Yes, he does. There's that like I know. a joke, a like throwaway. Oh my joke. god, I do not. Re- Wait, what, what's what's the joke? Do you remember? I mean, that's basically that. Like it's, he makes like, a joke that like he and Spike have like had sex. He's like, oh, there was that one time. So again, we're going back to like college cesspool yeah. or real life cesspool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense, especially when they show them in flashbacks of four of them. It makes sense that they would like all have an orgy. Yeah. Right? I, think, like, yeah, I feel like I, they're in a polyamorous yeah. relationship. I think that, like, vampires just aren't as binary as, Which is other, awesome. as people are. Yeah. Also, I mean, I non-binary. also, I could see them, like, almost not having sex because they're vampires and just being like, oh, this is my love, but, like, almost being, like, an asexual kind of, so, like, like... No, I can see or, them hardcore so, fucking. <laughs> well, I could see it being both. Like, I could see it also being, like... The nastiest, kinkiest sex, but, but like not see... talking about it and being like, "Yeah, bro, what's up?" <laughs> yeah, like it's like bro jobs, but with vampires. Like, oh god! Like they're just. <laughs> so now just we're like... gonna get an explicit rating. <laughs> well, you know, so yeah, we, before we started the mic, we talked about how our podcast isn't rated explicit, so we're really going for it. We are. Yeah. How many f bombs do we have to drop? I don't know. Do Ooh. people? I, I don't think the people at Apple listen to the podcast before. Right. Is there an MPAA rating? <laughs> they had to approve it. I don't know. I don't know what goes into approving a podcast. Yeah, but apparently, they let this one come. Yeah, so, so they, we're good. We're they, all good. They let me and Matthew be garbage, so yeah. it's mine. <laughs> I think the appropriate term is trash fire. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's okay. That's what I. My middle name. This is trash it fire. Start with an E. It's actually trash fire. <laughs> trash fire with E. J E trash fire. Right. Yes. Um, so what, what's the next big moment that we should go to in this episode? So, oh, so like, well, we already would have passed this, but Xander immediately slut shames Cordelia when he encounters her on the dance floor. She like makes fun of him and then he immediately is like, you look like a hooker. And I'm just like, oh, Xander, you're so Xander, 16 I mean, year old straight yeah, male. So like, to guy. quote like uh, Karen Kilgariff from, uh, 
from one of my favorite podcasts, My Favorite Murder. Toxic masculinity ruins the party again. <laughs> like, I mean, we always... That's basically Xander's character. Yeah, we always say, like, at least in the earlier seasons, he is 16. So, like, if I were... I, I right, like I'm sure true, we all probably, said things oh, like yeah. that when yeah. we were 16, and so like we have to give in to like this is an authentic 16 year old guy. True. And I mean, it's funny, Ian. Ian and I were talking before about people who slut shame people they can't hook up with. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And like there is that kind of like Xander is making fun of Cordelia because in his deepest darkest depths like he wants Cordelia to pay attention because she's to him. like oh, yeah. supposed to be like the hottest girl in high school right and she won't and be she's like the she's the the what's not paradigm what am I trying to think of I the sure don't paragon know. she's like the paragon of oh yeah everything of like the popular high of like your yeah cliche high school whatever yeah, yeah it's very there she goes by sixpence on the radio oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> love that song I was listening to that on the way over like no lies by the way I was trying to psych myself up so oh man um, serendipity so I also like made note of the fact that I feel like this is one of the first episodes in season one where Angel feels like himself yeah like they like decided what they're gonna do with their character and like in this episode they're like okay because in the earlier episodes we always say how like it feels like they didn't really give David Boreanaz as much direction. Like in the first two episodes, he's just kind of like jokey and not yeah. doing much. Well, the thing is, and is like that, looking like, like, like with such a baby face. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we. I mean, you know, David's a fiction writer. You're a writer. You know, like like with character. Like, I think that. Did you just call me David? Did I? Yes. Yeah, you just called. Me. <laughs> Literally before you watched it. secretly David Boreanaz. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so here's what I think. He's going to be in the last, here, we were last episode of Bones. Coming up, Ian Carlos Crawford. Thinking of David Boreanaz. With, um, so we were talking about before, like, no, okay. Let me just start over. Okay. okay. So I just don't think that there were a lot of things there to give Angel a character. Like, he didn't exactly have dialogue that was character. And it's probably, as someone who's only done high school theater, it's, like, <laughs> hard to create a character out of, like, mysteriousness and brooding. Yeah. And once they finally started to write him lines and dialogue and, like, fill in his back character, I think there was more yeah. as an actor for him to bite off of. Can you like, just, like, imagine those earlier scripts, though? Just, like, he broods. He <laughs> fades into the shadows. That's, like, it. Yeah. It's like, hey. So he's like, uh, Joss, no, how am I supposed to be acting in this scene and Josh just goes just be mysterious <laughs> <laughs> and David Boreanaz is like oh right. I'll be mysterious oh, I, I will knit my eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because they even say um, in the which we didn't actually mention in the reunion Entertainment Weekly they mention how like the podcast was like a nightmare the, I mean the podcast <laughs> sorry I'm like it projecting come on yeah. David <laughs> yeah right um, they mentioned come on how DB pilot was a nightmare and how like like it, like filming everything everyone was like mad at each other and like it was like a nightmare and like a total mess and they didn't think it was gonna get picked up and they were like always behind so i wonder if like maybe in the earlier episodes that was still like kind of because angel isn't in the um pilot mm-hmm. yes he is no the like um the first, the pilot. first one oh, yeah. the one that's in black and white with a different willow and like yeah. yeah the different willow and darla dies at the end of that episode yeah um so i wonder if they like if he was like more of a last minute addition, mm. possibly that would, make sense. that would totally make sense, yeah. actually. Yeah, because the only scene he is in, in the first episode is the one in the alleyway. Yeah, yeah, and then like in the second episode, he's just like tells her to go down there. In the and, second like, episode, he's trash. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst acting in the second episode where he's like being coy, 
With furrowed out, with a furrowed brow. It's um, so stupid. <laughs> so Buffy and Giles train in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of the first episodes where we see them training together yeah. in the library. In the library. Yeah. With daylight. Like, yeah. Like, students walking past. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a teacher, it's, a male teacher attacking a female student like, in broad daylight. It's like, what is, this is just extracurricular karate class. Yeah, you like, know. That happens in all high schools, right? What's, yeah. the train, what's the exact training they do? It's not, oh, it's the crossbow. No, so. She the, wants the crossbow and he they, makes them do the, the Donatello. Oh, okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We just brought my favorite Ninja Turtle into this. That's my favorite Ninja Turtle. High five. He's the smart one. He is the smart one. And he's not like crotchety like uh, Raphael. Who's your favorite in Turtle? Uh, who do you think? Raphael. No. Michelangelo. Come on, yes. Thank you. Okay, I look like I go to Warped Tour every year. Yeah. Of course, Michelangelo is my favorite. <laughs> I want that like put on my tombstone. <laughs> That's not even descriptive of me, and I want that on my tombstone. So at the end of that training, he says, good, let's move on to the crossbow. And in my notes, because I'm like really clever, I said, you know, if a crossbow is mentioned in the first act, it's got to go off in the second act. So like, you know. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Sorry, oh I just had to read that because I put it in. Well, David Mamet over here. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Hi, I have an MFA. Check off. <laughs> um... <laughs> Originally, I actually put, like, Chekhov's gun or whatever, ha-ha, and then I was like, oh, wait, that's actually what it's called. Lols. <laughs> um, so, also, it's weird that Angel stays at Buffy's house overnight and all day. Okay. And his and her mom never... Once like, again. When, when I was a kid, and, like, my mom, like, opened my door every morning, like, yeah. as I was waking up, and, like, looked in my room. Oh, Once yeah. again, the queer sleepovers of my youth. <laughs> again. Like, this is why... True. And this is why angel floor. equals lesbian. I'm like, oh yeah, you're sleeping on the floor. Sorry, I just did bunny quotes, guys, <laughs> for those listeners at well, home. Well, Buffy is a show Sorry, of metaphors, Mom. and maybe this is a metaphor. Maybe, you know, this whole show has just been leading towards the lesbian sex scene in season seven. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, like, Joss has been peppering lesbianism throughout the entire... That's what I like to think. Like, these are Easter eggs just for me. Like... <laughs> um... Also, when they finally kiss, um, he turns into a vampire because she like lightly pushes him, which is no, really... No, I didn't get, I didn't think that. I thought that. it was just because of like the, like the passion. It's because yeah, of course like I the rule is like if he feels any sort of happiness, because it culminates Because pushes him on. and then he, I thought it was like, oh, like... I, don't, she, I didn't like, think it was because him. she pushed. I think it was because he was feeling like lust. Yeah, he was feeling like vampire-y feelings. Which is weird. I never really got the like sort of correlation between because I mean like weirdly sometimes uh, Buffy seems set, like such a I guess sex positive show, especially for like the time period that it's set. And then of course we have these sort of like indications that are like abstinence only, especially like within the first few yeah. uh, seasons. Like well, it's, it's, it's such a it's such, yeah it's like getting like a like crossing wires or something. Well, it's also interesting to think of Buffy being a sixteen year old who's never had sex and like we were talking about like Angel having like D down spike before <laughs> <laughs> and like having like two hundred years like two hundred years of sexual experience. And, like, but then like you don't want to think about that, <laughs> right? Especially like, when they quit later. It's like, well, he said he was older, right. <laughs> and now he's like having that this sweet weird. little romance with like a sixteen year old, but like he's seen some shit. Like, okay. True, yeah. Yeah, then, it, then I don't like to think, I don't like to go too far down that rabbit hole because then it just gets really pervy really fast. Yeah, especially yeah. watching this episode, I like, 
kept kind of thinking that. I'm like, he is so much older than her. Like, right. and she is a child. Yeah. She is a literal child. She's 16 <laughs> in this season. And like. She is a baby. And he's like acting like he's also a silly teenager. It's like. When actually he's like hundreds of years old. It's like, have you ever dated somebody who's like maybe, I don't know, like. Like, not even that much older than you. Like, five years or seven years older than you. I'm always the older one. Yeah, oh, well, then you'll know. Yeah. And then, like, (laughs) that one person awkwardly brings up, it's like, ha-ha, you were in middle school when I was, like, my in my freshman year of college and you're like oh don't tell me that gross welcome Ugh. to every episode of our podcast where matthew reminds me that he was in like middle school when buffy was airing i was like graduating I, think, high school. I mean i might I just want to say i think i was in i think i was in how old are you I'm, I'm gonna be 29 in two days oh i'm turning 28 in four days okay so so we'll you, overlap in the world of 28 so yeah in two days i mean granted i didn't start watching buffy until until know. actually should i will i lose cred if i say that i didn't start watching buffy until college no that, that was actually one of the as, questions I wanted us to ask as, every As Ian purses his lips. What no. their Buffy origin <laughs> Very, like, Zellwurst Prada. He's like, no, 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 because <laughs> I didn't start until the third season, and then I gave up because they prolonged the finale, mm-hmm. and I literally didn't start watching again until the fifth season. Yeah, I started watching in college, and then during grad school, like, I would obsessively watch it instead of doing my homework, which got my homework done, but <laughs> really love procrastinating, so... So um, when did you watch it, like, after it had finished airing? Oh, yeah. Okay. When it like, was, like... via DVDs? Or? No, when it was... Um, I... Well, I guess it was... Uh, I first started watching it in college, but I think my friend... My friend Derek is uh, the reason why, so, like, shout out to Derek. Um, <laughs> the uh, He had it on DVD, and I think he only had, like, the third and fourth season, so I started watching those, mm-hmm. and he filled me in. But I didn't start watching it, like, from the beginning until my friend Vinny... Uh, was like, oh man, you gotta gotta get on this Buffy train, um, and it was he was like visiting, and it was like a couple rainy days, so we just like binge watched the first season on Netflix when it was just available, right. and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> and uh, never looked back. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Cause so, I don't think I knew you without you already. Yeah, loving and me? yeah, and Ian and I have gone like we're we're pretty we go pretty far back. I, I think it's maybe been seven or eight years. Oh my god. We're, yeah, we're old. Yeah. Jesus. Because we met at the reading I did. Oh, yeah. And I want to say I was still in grad school when I did that reading. I would, well, yeah, because we were in grad school at the same time, weren't we? Were we? Maybe. I think so. We, like, overlapped a year. Yeah. Anyway, so, (laughs) reminiscing. I just want to say that I never bring up my age, and, or if I do, it's not in a shaming way, and Ian (laughs) decides to play victim (laughs) and make it about that. (laughs) Uh, oh, well. well, you know. I don't see age. <laughs> really? I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip this table that? over. <laughs> Let's smash our mics. Like, yes, yes, also, the podcast is over. Also, also, I am self-conscious about laughing because somebody tweeted me about one of our episodes the other day and said that I sounded like one of the hyenas in the pack. And that, and that's not even a good episode. I know no. you all were like arguing well, about this. Well, that's the one we were talking about. Yeah, I know. Like, for that, like, thing. like packed apologists. I'm like, <laughs> fuck no, not with those. I don't think was I. I don't even remember that far back. I wasn't a pack apologist. I think. I think you were the pack. Apologist. I thought Joe was. No, I think Joe was. Oh my bad. Because I said I wanted Xander to eat the principal with them, and I was mad that he got off too easy. Yeah. So someone because like, it can't get that. So, and then somebody else said it can't get that dark until later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which I get, but... We have, to, we have to make this palatable for the first season. For also, all the, for I, the I appreciate you bringing receipts that you've actually been listening to the Oh, podcast. yeah. Oh, I did, again, did my research. God, you really did. I know, I right? don't do my research. Let's get into low 
theory. <laughs> like, don't get me started. I'll start talking about Bodria and some shit. <laughs> You'll um, never have a podcast listener again. Like, so. Anyway. A theme that carries over, especially into the Angels spinoff show, is Giles tells Buffy there's no halfway with demons, which we learn is vaguely untrue because of Angel. And, like, later on with, like, Kind of like Harmony. She's not like totally evil. She's just kind of like she's my she's one of my faves. Oh yeah. Oh, I just like the the. I mean, we were actually talking about the harsh light of day earlier, and just like Harmony is so sad. (laughs) (laughs) It gets me every time. Like so mean to her. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I consider her like evil. Oh, I never consider evil. She's like a bad guy just because. Like. She's just, because she just feels like it. Yeah, like, and I feel like they, like, with her, and then, like, you know, there's Clem, who's, like, Clem. Oh, I love Clem all. so much. Yeah. I Except stand for poker. Clem. <laughs> I, poker. I, st- <laughs> I stand for Clem. I will make a sign that says that. <laughs> On my grave will be, I stand for Clem. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait until Clem shows up in season six and we can ask people if they would fuck Clem. <laughs> Because I, mean, I would. I think, you know what, honestly, <laughs> no. maybe he might be on my list, like, along with, like, mm. young John Cusack and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I have a weird list. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of things he going is on dying. No, just kidding. I would probably keep Clem in the friend zone, because he's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I bet he's a really good friend. I mean, he babysat <laughs> Dawn, and he I know. barely knew he'd be them. My, he'd be my biffle. He'd be a good wingman. Yeah. I bet he's, like... Maybe I would, like, pity a lot him of fun. if I was drunk. <laughs> God, that's so mean. <laughs> but pity not even mean. Okay, that's another podcast. That's a little mean. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, fictional character Clem. So that's another thing we'll ask. Who would you pity for? This would you episode? play puppy poker with <laughs> Clem? Okay, also, Cordelia mentions that her dress is a Todd Oldham original. Oh my gosh, that part with the knockoff dress is another part where they just don't know what to do with Cordelia. That's so her only, like, like part so in the episode. Yeah, so they're like, well, we have to put Cordelia in here and have her be mad that someone else has the same dress as her. Um, I didn't even know he was a designer back Yeah, then. me neither. I was like, is this a made-up name? This That sounds like the name of, like... I don't know, that kid in A V club that like who was really, really skinny and tall. Well so back I, in the day. I only or know something. who Todd Oldham is because he had like a line at Target. That was like what I know him from. Like Isaac Mizrahi. Yeah, actually just like that. <laughs> is he like the poor man's Isaac Mizrahi? <laughs> he did like a bunch of like house where Like House like, like H A U S. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> like actual like dishes and stuff like that. Oh, Can we talk where? about so wait, let's go to um I want to talk about the whole gypsy thing, because that's another thing where I feel like they should, like, when we look back, Buffy has a lot of, like, insensitive oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's a lot of, like, convenience, and it's like, I really don't think they should be, like, talking about this, like, Romani people. <laughs> like, they're, like, mystical. Like, no, they're just, like, another ethnic group. Yeah. Like, they did not, like, he could have made someone up. They do that so hard. Like, throughout the episodes, too. Like, with Jenny, like, doesn't Jenny Calendar yeah. end up, yeah. Which is, she's, like, a techno-pagan, but also, then Tec- like, oh. Which is, like, the, sh- I'm a gypsy, my new band like- name is going to be techno-pagan. <laughs> Sorry. Ian and I talk a lot about techno <laughs> Um, Best development. Actually, yeah, I actually... I read a really good story where someone does, like, a little off-comment about gypsies, and I was like, ugh, it is 2017, what are you doing? Um, That was, like, otherwise a well-written essay. Um, So, yeah... You wanted... Like, oh, I just wanted to... Oh, yeah. Also, that's a note that I wanted I to make. I think 
you mentioned this. They use the exact, exact same scream. Yeah. I said this in another episode we, we that we recorded. The scream. I I think we should like get you should get the episode and we should pull up the screams. Honestly, can we do a supercut? Actually, <laughs> no. Go on Netflix and get the screams. Wait, it's not on Netflix anymore. No, oh, as of today yeah. or but as think, of yes. But I think it's, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu, and if any, I I have I a password. Know. If anybody needs it, so so um the scream that I want, I don't do I have a shout Hulu out to my baby my sister because this is her password. So it's okay, she has she she shares a Spotify account with me. It's fine. Um. The scream that Buffy screams when Angel turns into a vampire in front of her is the same is the same pre-recorded scream that Joyce screams when Darla attacks her. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really and 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 I think we talked about this in the other episode we recorded. It's like why so actually you know what I was thinking about this today. I forgot where I read this, but you know screams are not natural. Right. Like screams are not like humans don't naturally scream, and screams that I think I read this that like screams were like invented by movies because directors needed a way to show that people were terrified. Right. Because even though we might like be like ah like we don't scream naturally, humans don't scream the way that you do in movies, and we actually learned how to scream from movies. Really? You know that makes me feel so much better because I thought I I have like an inferiority complex when it comes to my screaming because my screaming just sounds like. <laughs> I like sound like I don't know, like a Leviathan. I always like to think of myself as a Leviathan when I, I scream. Always like to think of myself if, as a Leviathan. If a Leviathan screams, it's like that, like like underwater Wait, screaming. Can we talk about how the first novel I ever started writing when I was a kid was called The Leviathan? Really? Right? Yeah. I think there Fortuitous. are like three novels called The Leviathan. Wow. I think. Well, I mean, one of them's by Hobbes. So like, <laughs> Didn't it's like OG Leviathan. Way to shit all over my dreams. Did Paul Foster or someone else write a book called Leviathan? I don't know. Well, let's, you know, I did too, Ian, and my isn't... book is valid, even though uh, I wrote two chapters. You are valid, all right. Matthew. Everything so, you do is valid. You're trying to invalidate The pack angel. Like all right, so I, I got it pulled up. We have the... Thank God for thank God for Baby Mandy's uh, Hulu Plus account. Yes. Shout out to my baby sister. Uh, do you guys wanna wanna so, look? There might be commercials. Well, yeah, well, well, let's talk for now, and we'll yeah. just like yeah. make sure the the thing gets up. So, what do we want to talk about before you know while this clip, <laughs> before we figure out the screen thing clip gets pulled up? Um. So, I mean, this is like the first episode where we also learn about Angel and Darla's like past, and Darla <laughs> Angel like, Angel mentioned something to Darla. Where he's like. Oh, love the schoolgirl look. Last time I saw you wearing a kimono, and I was like, "Ugh, why was she wearing a kimono?" Like, God. <laughs> which we of course find out later. Yeah, kind of yeah, rebellion. Yeah. Like, um, and like, so also we. This is like one. I think one of the first episodes where the like, oh, like demon things happen and people forget. Where Joyce is like, "Oh, I can't remember what happened. The doctor told me I slipped on a barbecue fork." <laughs> We don't own a barbecue fork. Yeah. No, <laughs> wait. Can we talk about also how this is the fir- really one of the first times that we get Xander on his I Hate Angel High Horse? Oh, That's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like trying to make... Stop um, trying to make Buffy and Xander happen. Like, well, we talked yeah. about... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, okay, so we talked about how much... In an earlier episode, we talked about how much like the first season really plays with like one day Buffy and Xander might actually happen. Right. Because, like, at the beginning of the other episode, it actually started with Xander's dream of, like, 
saving Buffy and like all this other stuff. And so right now we are pulling up the scream from when, so right now Buffy and Angel are making out. Actually, that's a really, okay. Yeah. So we're allowed to play little clips on the podcast. Right? I think, yeah, I think the rules as yeah, long it's as like it's fair. not 10 seconds more or something. Okay. Right? So go play it. Okay, so that's Buffy's scream. Like, looking back, that does not sound like it's coming from her mouth. Yeah. And then there's um, the scream that Joyce gives off when Darla comes to see her. I think it's, like, not more than, like, five minutes later or something. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, now we have to listen to another commercial. We have to, like, no. to go to another commercial. Yeah. We can talk about something so the listeners don't get super fucking bored. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, Xander gets to be a dick and, like tries to say that he doesn't care about Angel, and it sets up the whole thing where Xander is a dick throughout the entire series. <laughs> it just feels like they have the same conversation where Xander's like, I don't like that guy, in season two and season three. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just like every conversation is Xander like, okay, we get it, you really want to fuck Buffy. Yeah. And you will, and you can't. Okay. Except for the one time in Bewitched, Bother, and Bewilder where she offers herself and Xander says no because he's a gentleman now. Quote, unquote. Yeah. yeah. Because he pretends to be a gentleman for five seconds. Um, also, I wanted to point out that, like, Darla wears the same the same outfit for every episode she's in this season. Oh, literally. Like, the, the wardrobe designer was like, oh, yeah, Darla, you're in a schoolgirl outfit. Actually, there's, because of my research, there's a, there's a theory behind that. Um, and in terms of, like, uh, Julie Benz's own character development, um, it's, it's almost like trying to, uh, it's, it, it, not only is it sort of, like, anachronist, anachronistic, uh, slightly, um, and also sort of, like, indicates her outsider status slightly, but, uh, Julie Benz, apparently, when she was, uh, when she was coming up with the character, she had a feeling, um, or she, she, she had a feeling that, uh, she was abused as a... Uh, when she was young, at, like uh, abused oh. as a child, so it's all actually almost like a regression oh. into that, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with uh, like her name, like Darling One, and her like uh, constant um, her constant need to please the master, hmm. at least in the first episode. So it's kind of interesting to view it from that way. How she's almost like she, I mean, she has agency. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's almost like at the same time she doesn't necessarily try to infantilize herself. I That's don't think. true. But yeah, she, she just wears the outfit. She just wears, yeah. But it's it's an interesting. It's hmm. it's well, an, I think, and it's an it's an interesting like visual cue in that way. Well, I think we can also talk about how so much of Buffy. I mean, you know, Joss's fa- famous line is kind of like about how Buffy is a subversion of the like girl walking down an alley scared of monsters but this time she can like beat the shit out of them I, and yeah and like and dar and that schoolgirl outfit is like a subversion of the schoolgirl oh, because totally. i think darla does in a way she's i darla is very sensual you don't actually yeah. see her like use her sexuality as a weapon it's yeah. like you know like but she is very sensual and so she's playing on that schoolgirl thing but she's actually like super strong super old exactly super knowledgeable and i mean in far as so far as the master, she's kind of like the second in command there. Oh, she totally is. Yeah. It's like, I don't think that either of these, like, cancel each other out um, mutually. Or, like, or, I, I don't think that either of these cancel each other out. I think they're, um, or, or that they're mutually exclusive. I think that right. they, they work pretty well in synthesis together. Because, no doubt about it, Darla definitely has agency as a character. And she's definitely in control of whatever situation she's in. Alright, so um, we're going to listen to Joyce's screen so now, yeah. which I think is the exact same screen. Yeah. Alright. Go ahead. 
Angel's walking up to the door. He's wearing a leather jacket. He's like, do I knock? Do I go? Oh, no, no, I'm not gonna. Oh, wait. But I shall look through the window. I think. Literally, <laughs> literally the same screen. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for like being with us through that moment. Because I heard it and I was like, wait a minute. It's kind of like, have you ever heard of the Wilhelm scream? Yeah, isn't that what that is? That's not the Wilhelm not, scream. Wait, okay. what's the Wilhelm scream? The Wilhelm scream is this scream that they use for everything in every movie. And I'll just pull it up really quick for you. But that's not the Wilhelm scream. Oh, I thought it was. And it's usually a man who does the Wilhelm scream. Oh, really? I always thought it was a... I put it in my Actually, you know what I think the Wilhelm scream is? I think it's the scream... At the end of Hush? No, I think it's... They use it... I think Darla does the Wilhelm scream at one point. I was just wondering if it's named after Kaiser Wilhelm. (laughs) This is the Wilhelm scream. Wilhelm! Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe! Okay, whatever. (laughs) That's the Wilhelm scream. They use... And they've used it in Buffy before. And they use it a lot in, like, (laughs) movies and stuff. Um, so the only reason I thought that Buffy, so I don't remember, there was like some weird, like late nineties, early two thousands trivia show where like the contestant had to figure out if people were lying about what their jobs were. And there was a woman who did the scream for hush. Like the woman was like, I'm the, like, she was like a scream actress like she did screaming for other actresses for a second i thought you were gonna like talk about the dating game <laughs> no. wait do you mean like the long scream that yes, buffy does to that kill buffy everyone does oh to my kill gosh. the gentleman it was like this woman did that and she like professionally did screaming for other things where like how do i get that job right there are like there's so many weird jobs like that like i wrote a short story once like not trying to plug myself guys i promise <laughs> um where that, that, a writer in case I, you didn't know i'm a writer yes <laughs> um but that was based on this uh, this uh, New York Times uh, profile that I found about the and it's you don't really hear her voice anymore. This must have been like seven years ago about a woman who is actually the voice of the MTA. Like you thought mm. that it was computerized, but really like people do those recordings, right? Um, mm. Which is insane because I totally thought it was a computer. Like even now, I think like I if did you, too. Yeah. yeah, even now, like it's not it's not a computerized voice. It's it's like it's a person who records yeah. as oh. and like the this she's she also did like the voice of like multiple like international airports and other subway systems in like different languages. So huh. the yeah. voice of Siri follows me on tw- on Twitter. She used to follow me, but she unfollowed me. I think. <laughs> Good. That, that, now, if, if there's a real demon out there, it's Siri's voice. <laughs> I'm so afraid of Siri on my phone. I, like, don't, I don't, I do not fuck with Siri on my phone. So, going back to Darla's outfit. Sorry. <laughs> it's really weird. So, I was going to say, like, it's really weird that she wears the same outfit all season. And then at the end of this episode, wears the exact same outfit, but in red. I mean, yes. that's pretty, that's pretty thematically telling. <laughs> it just, it, but it feels weird that, like, suddenly she has one new outfit, but it's, the exact same one, just in a different color. I mean, every time I buy something that I like, my mom is like, that's an article of clothing. My mom will be like, did you buy three more in the same color or different <laughs> colors? I'm like, no. And like, that's like my mom's like, my mom, does the, fashion. That's, my mom does the exact same thing. And then she'll buy me two sweaters <laughs> yeah. at an outlet in two different colors. Shout so, out to, to Mama Myers right there. So Xander gets, so Xander's, you know, hatred of, the, of Angel gets shot down when Giles finds out that Darla, Darla actually yeah. bit um, Joyce. Joyce. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of have that whole scene where I feel like 
I don't know, that scene where, like, Angel is, like, ready to kill Puffy, it's, like, very manufactured. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, you know you could also just explain to her everything that happened, (laughs) and you don't have to, like, fight this woman that you're starting to fall in love with, like, right off the bat. But I think what we need to talk about in that scene, and I talked about this with Ian earlier, was Darla has guns. Yeah! Why does Darla have guns? I remember, like, even every time I watch this episode, and granted, I don't watch season one a, a whole lot, but, like, every time I've watched this episode, I, I always forget that, and then I have the same reaction. I'm like, oh, shit! Like, Scarface! <laughs> Why does Darla have two guns? It's really weird, but it also, like... It works, but it is it almost feels like out of place. It's totally manufactured. Yeah. See, I don't think it works. I think really? like I, I think that, you know, we've had this discussion, Buffy yeah. tells that cop, like, these don't do anything. Like co- guns don't really have a place in the Buffy verse unless it's to kill someone at the end of season six. Right. Who I don't want to talk we, about. No, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'll start crying. But um yeah, I just don't think it works. Like, I feel like there are so many yeah. ways that you could up the tension without having to go to, like, like guns. I mean, like, even before this, like, it's there's there's this, like, dichotomy created between, like, quote-unquote, the real world, or the, the world, like, right. the re- reality is we know it that exists, and, and like, uh, this, this I, I would, I, for all intents and purposes, I'll say this other world, or this otherworldly world. Uh, where the realm of Buffy exists, yeah. and like gun, like there's this this dichotomy has already be, been staunchly placed, where like guns can't really exist in that world because they're 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 man made. I mean, like granted, all these all these uh, weapons are man made, but they're at least they at least have some sort of like mystical origin, even with something as 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 uh, simple and rudimentary as the stake. Right, and it's like there's guns. An guns kill people, right? Guns don't kill demons. And if, 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 which, which makes later episodes where, where we actually deal with human mortality, specifically in the realm of the real, that makes it all the more heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think that if they're gonna do, cause like there's only one episode to me where that works, and yeah. it's the episode with the bazooka. Yeah. Yeah. And like that works because it's, it's farcical almost. Yeah, it's exactly. Like you're, you're, they're calling attention to how, how out of place it is. How, right. like, yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, like, okay. Not gonna lie though, like Julie Ben's wielding guns is kind of badass. <laughs> like, it's I like, really thought you were gonna go into like Julie Ben's obtaining the phallus of the guns. I mean, no, no. Sometimes I'm just a teenage boy. I'm like guns and guns and girls are so cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> this hot blonde Laura girl. Croft, Raider, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it is very Lara Croft. I didn't think of that. When oh did, yeah. When did Lara Croft first come out? In like, I know that the I, I know. And it was, you didn't play Tomb Raider? It was definitely did, before, but... you know what, it was definitely before Buffy, because I remember playing a version of Tomb Raider when I, uh, at my cousin's place when I lived in England, and it was, like, around, uh, the world, the 98 World Cup in France. Okay. And the game had already come out, so let's say it came out in, like, 97. 96 I, it came out. Yeah, oh, nice. and I was, like, and I was, like, and then my, uh, and then my cousin, uh, made me, uh, like, get off the, the, the TV to, to watch the game. So I know so, that it came out, yeah. Because so. we were talking about with the, we, so, um, sp- not spoiler, but like behind the scenes thing for people at home, we've oh, we already um, recorded the podcast for the, um, no, <laughs> you, for the, the puppet show episode. The Pop- veil is broken. Oh no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm telling what people how the sausage, I'm telling people how the sausage is made. I'm sorry. <laughs> but. I keep kosher. <laughs> 
It's fine. I'll still eat that sausage. How the, chi- how the, how the chicken apple sausage is made. <laughs> the kosher one. The okay, kosher, yeah. The kosher right, chicken apple sausage. We got it. We got made. it. And um, well, we talked about how like I think Joss often understands like what's in the what like he general he, pop culture. Yeah, stuff. and in the ether and like in the zeitgeist is what we're looking for. Because the whole, I think dummies were very scary mm-hmm. because of goosebumps and stuff like that. Dummies so, are still scary. They still <laughs> are. And people still make dummy movies. Yeah. And Annabelle is kind of in that, you oh, know, yeah. Doll, yeah. that doll thing. But I think that like the two guns, like just, I and mean, I think there's a lot of Lara Croft DNA in Buffy in oh, general. Yeah. So I think that I, I, I can't imagine that that wasn't in his head when he wrote it. That yeah. he saw like Lara Croft with two guns as being like a very yeah. Would it have worked if it was reversed? If Buffy was the one who had the two guns? If Just Buffy as... held a gun, I would I would write a letter. I don't yeah. know, I don't know how I would feel about it. Like it's funny because there's one of the like you know there's like a million Buffy novelizations and like one of like for like my birthday one year I think my friend bought me there was like a trilogy Mm -hmm. um I don't remember what it's called but I have it like in my childhood bedroom and there's like a scene so it takes place I want to say between four and five Mm -hmm. um and it's like a big crossover where like she goes to LA and hangs out with like Cordelia and Wesley and Angel and whatever and like Riley's there because he's there in that timeline and like he hands her a gun and I specifically I always think it's in the show but it's not it's like they're driving and Mm -hmm. someone hits their car because it's like whatever demon group right and but and he hands her a gun because she doesn't have any weapons and she's like absolutely not and like throws it back on the car and just fights with her well, hands. I mean, not to get like super dark but there's also another reason why there wouldn't like why guns wouldn't proliferate this show especially because columbine oh yeah well, so like and not that's to why get, which is like i mean like I, I it's not completely out of left field because so many other shows well uh, and that's why the third season finale was like prolonged like yeah because yeah. of columbine yeah yeah so it's so like that could also like that's just a like a, just a logistical reason I why d- guns weren't used in Buffy. I mean, I know it's or not. Why you have that happen in that one episode. I just want to know where Darla got the guns. She's yeah. also, she doesn't have a social security number. <laughs> she doesn't can't do a background check. It was 90, <laughs> I, mean, I think this is actually just like she went to Walmart. Representation like, of yeah. yeah. Yes, you go to Walmart. Yeah, they're your guns. She and went said, to the Sunnydale Walmart <laughs> and said, "Oh, I forgot my social security card," and they were like, "No big deal, what sweetheart." What else do you think the Sunnydale Walmart sells? It's like lots of uh, it's like the mystical dagger, <laughs> an orbit festival. Yeah. <laughs> All corner of crosses. Does this like mean like the magic? Level? The magic box is actually like the Sunnydale Walmart. I think magic box is the Sunnydale Walmart. <laughs> yeah, um, just like a glowing orb. So also, I noticed when Darla dies, I feel like they finally like that's the best dusting they've had. Oh so yeah, because like it actually like. I mean, how like it looks fan, not Star Wars, but like it looks a lot better than they had Definitely. prior to that. Because like she hits the ground and she combusts, and that makes sense. it looks really great. And actually, what I really like after that is I like the scene where the master shows a lot of emotion yes. about losing Darla. Yeah. I thought that was actually a really smart scene. It's only like fifteen seconds, yeah. but just showing how much the master cared about Darla and really because she was so loyal, so, losing your right hand person, yeah. I thought that was actually a really great choice. Honestly, I feel like that's the most in-depth that we get in terms of the Master's character. I mean, like, he's so, like, especially compared to, like, the mayor or, like, even, like, Glory in later seasons. Like, he's so two-dimensional. Yeah, well, I mean, especially because before that, the way we've seen him treat his people as expendable. I mean, like, he... Oh, so yeah. he has Darla dust the three and he sticks his finger in that guy's eye. Oh, (laughs) And stuff like that. So he really 
beats like, up on his yeah. uh, staff. And the, only, so the only other person he's like ever kind of like tender towards is like the the kid who like date whatever Damon from the Omen, whatever yeah. the kid's name is. <laughs> yeah. but he like, Esther from the from Orphan. <laughs> I guess. It's almost like he more looks like he thinks of that child as like a guide. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he is invested in the, in the Anointed One because the Anointed One is a part of a prophecy. Yeah. And, yeah. and as we all know, the Master loves a good prophecy. Loves a prophecy. But if he were expendable, then... Yeah. yeah. Bye, kid. But then Darla is just, like, so integral to his little family. I, I yeah. think he, he does think of Darla the way the mayor thought of Faith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As, like, oh, you fight for this me, like but you're, like, my proto, daughter. Yeah, it's like, this is like, it's like a proto-structure yeah. for that relationship. And, I mean, to be fair, he did sire her, and I feel like yeah. that does make... A relationship. And you could also argue in a way that the mayor sired Faith. Yeah, true, yeah. Just uh, so. not as literally. <sighs> Alright, well, thanks for listening. Um, I the kiss at the end. Oh yeah, we gotta talk about the kiss. Oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> that's, you know, Xander's... I forgot that this, they do kiss at the end. They so do. They kiss the end, Xander's trying to be like... But then he's not in the next episode. Like, she mentions things are a little weird in the next episode. He's not in... I Robot Eugene. Yeah, but yeah. they do kiss. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's, like, weird that, like, then it's, like... And then you have that, like, weird stigmata thing. Not stig... I don't know what, how it is. Well, the cross Yeah. Thing. It's, like, kind of, like, st- like stigmata adjacent or whatever. Well, I think he's... Yeah, it's just, like, he's sacrificing his burnt skin yeah. to yeah. love this girl, blah, 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 but... Um, Which is also very gay yeah, yeah. <laughs> very very uh very my summer of even though jesus is burning you you <laughs> will love this girl i didn't say it was a clear cut like <laughs> analogy i'm just no i wasn't <laughs> disputing you i was adding to it but yeah oh yeah no i totally I, yeah. all right um cool. thank you for listening i think that everyone who's listening to this should definitely follow our guest today yes. because she brought so much knowledge <laughs> And so much hilarity. And so can you tell people where they can find you on Twitter.com? Yeah, um, you can find me at at J-E Reich writes. So at J-E-R-E-I-C-H. And writes, like uh, writing, writes. Uh, that's my that's my uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. So. Ian, where can they find you? And you can you? find me at Ian X Carlos, I-A-N-X-C-A-R-L-O-S. And you can find me at Matthew Rodriguez, M-A-T-H-E-W-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Thank you so much for listening, and bye. Bye. Bye.